0: Happy New Year y'all, and welcome to this month's episode of Who Made You Sis, brought to you by the Diaz Collections. This is your host, Doriana Diaz. Who Made You Sis is an archival documentation of spiritual dialogue with fellow Black women, creatives, storytellers, healers, and wellness practitioners. This podcast harnesses our existence in our truest forms. It is in commemoration of folklore, narrative, and language. When we surrender to our blueprint and our reimagined selves, we are closer to discovering our individual and collective god selves in the clouds, on grass, on water, on everything. These conversations live in assurance to pass themselves forward into our collective memory. This episode is in partnership with Capri's Apothecary, a black queer owned apothecary based in Austin, Texas, created with intention and celebration by my sweet love, Caesar. Capri's is an enchantment of homegrown and handmade essentials that will soothe your bodily functions and heal your tender spirit. Support our good sis by heading over to her social media channels at Capri's Apothecary and treat yourself to some tinctures, tea blends and body oil using our 20% off discount code, who made you sis. In this episode, we'll be in spiritual dialogue with Renee Harrison. This episode is entitled, In the Name of Rebirth. Renee Harrison is a Jamaican born, New Jersey based actor, content creator and founder of Black Girls Do Theater. Black Girls Do Theater founded in 2017 is a digital curation of culture and resources for Black women identifying theater artists. Through online and offline activations, they share resources that increase access and inspire community amongst Black theater creators. A natural storyteller at heart, Renee is passionate about empowering Black women and Black stories through intentional, authentic, and creative content. I'm honored to share space with her today. Let's get into it. And we can start with you introducing yourself, um, telling us your name and place of er uh, origin and a little bit about what you do.
1: Great. So I'm Renee Harrison. I am a New York, New Jersey-based actor, creator, and the founder of Black Girls' Theater. My origin is in the Caribbean of Jamaican descent, um, and I spent the earlier, very early parts of my life there before migrating here to the United States. Um, in my acting work, I do a lot of theater and have recently been exploring more of the children and film side of things. Mm-hmm. And with Black Girls in Theater, it is my baby. I know that's like, <laughs> 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 uh, this is very near and dear to my heart. It is a curation of culture and resources for Black women identifying theater artists. Yeah, and
0: that is what I do. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's beautiful. Yeah, I stumbled along your work a little. I think I made the connection between you and um, Mariama, and um, that's how I kind of found out about your work through Jalo Studios or collaboration that mm-hmm. you guys did. And um, yeah, I think that's that's so incredibly beautiful. But um, I
1: love Mariama and I love Jalo Studios. Oh like, my gosh,
0: she's a uh, she's a force. Uh, She's a true yeah, force of born. nature.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So I love that. That kind of um, I love when Black women find out about Black women through other Black women. That's like what I live mm-hmm. for. Um, <laughs> so I'm so happy that this has like allowed us to be here in this moment. Um, so shout out to Mariama wherever she is. She's here in spirit. But um, I want to <laughs> ask you too. How do you define yourself, and how do you want to be defined?
1: So, right, um, what I love the most about identity as an experience is that it's constantly shifting. Yeah. Uh, yesterday evening... In reflection, as I do, (laughs) Uh, I was thinking heavily about how my perspective on love, marriage, children, and partnership has Mm. developed over the last couple of weeks, right? Right. And that's obviously, like, a big theme in my life right now. (laughs) But I sat there uh, sort of in shock because I couldn't believe for myself that I'd so quickly become someone who... Uh, was like engaging in conscious conversation around what it is that I want out of a partner, right? And the idea of how many kids I want like, there are things that these were things that like would be thrown out in like you know some conversations, but I began thinking about it as like a thing that could actually happen for me and what it is that I would want that experience to look like. Um, and you know, I turned. 24 in November, um, and well, coming from coming from that conversation about you know how those how that identity that particular part of my identity has changed. Like I turned 24 in November. I was in Mexico, and I think that was also a very spiritual experience, just being out there with like my friends and um, nature is also a really big thing for me, being surrounded by water and yeah. trees and fresh yeah. air and being able to see the sky is a really, really integral part of my experience and how I move through the world. But, um, on my birthday, I made a promise to myself that I would, you know, give myself permission in all spaces to just be.
0: And
1: that you know, that's like B with a capital D and E. (laughs) There's no ellipses, there's a period at the end of it. It is certain it is a statement yeah and um and because of that like I then began thinking about like you know my experience prior to 24 um, I've, I've always been someone who uh, was constantly drafting and experimenting and when it comes to like, my personality and things that I like and don't like and then tossing what I thought wasn't working and it's really tiring yeah um I'm also Sagittarius, uh-huh, <laughs> so that right. desire to be in you know motion is really strong. Uh, my name Renee has an origin meaning rebirth, uh-huh. reborn, and I got I, I got to the point where I I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I wanted to allow myself to evolve as opposed to tossing out what I didn't like yeah. to allow what, you know, may not have been working to, to exist as it is, because it is a very truthful experience, um, and, and to just let things, uh, stack on top of that, yeah. right, like, letting the experiences, all of the experiences inform who I show up as mm-hmm. in the spaces that I, that I frequent. And so I would say, like, how I'd want to be defined, I I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know, what I do know is that intention is the root of everything that I do. Yeah. And that includes the silence that I choose to move in, the love that I declare, and the patience and grace that I grant myself and others. So that's where I'm at right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whew, oh, my gosh. I really want to say thank you for that, because I think it's been so many of concepts that you touched on, especially intention and discernment um, are a couple of things that I've been really reflecting on. I think this, you know, this moment that I speak of, quote-unquote, that we're in, that I was kind of touching on as the purpose of this series in general beforehand is, like, we are in a really uncomfortable moment, right? And I think... Um, a lot of us are, are, are sitting on this thing of, like, I need to walk out of this experience or this moment having learned something or gained something or become this, you know, incredibly spiritually awakened human being because we're, we're forced into this really uncomfortable stillness with ourselves. And I think that that's what you're talking yeah. about in, in this concept of being with a capital B is, like, yeah. to be is to just breathe. You know, yes. that's what it is to, yes. to really be and to be still and to be still with intention and still mm-hmm. with like show up with, in this stillness with, you know, earnestly. And I think that mm-hmm. that is so hard. I mean, I, yeah. I think it might be easier for some and harder for others, but for me, it is immensely difficult and mm-hmm. agonizing. <laughs> Most of the time.
1: I totally I totally I totally totally get it. Like this is from one of the other questions that you'd asked about like, you know, finding that goddess, yeah. right? Like where do I go? Being completely honest with you, like this particular um uh this particular road of the journey, like really began in August, and mind you, we've been in quarantine in this like COVID nineteen period since March. Yeah, right before. Yeah, literally the the week of um like you know the government is it, what was it like the government lockdown? I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was in Cuba before then. Wow. And I, my friends and I, came back, and Cuba was also a, a very spiritual experience yes. as well. Okay. Um i it, I don't even think that I was giving myself like enough time i didn't I don't think that I had enough
0: time yeah to actually yeah.
1: reflect on it because we jumped right into like the pandemic yeah but we we came back from Cuba on I believe the twenty sixth oh and it may have been the twenty fifth that the government declared like a mandatory lockdown That's so crazy. and just coming back to the states like, in the state that the states were in, yeah, we got to the airport and it was just like, where are we right now?
0: Yeah, like yep, entering a completely different dimension. I bet it felt
1: Com- like yeah. The, the airport was deserted. It was gray. It yeah. was um. It just the entire. You can tell that the that the that the tone. Of,
0: yeah. Yeah
1: the the city had changed had completely changed yeah right and then just like adapting to that so i i get it i get it i get it
0: yeah it's just so 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 hard and i think this is like offering us all in a lot of different ways especially I think being a creative and being a black human being in general like the experience is innately different than the rest of everyone else existing you know but um especially at this particular moment but um I think it's just really hard and and in in that process for me um maybe you can speak to a, a little bit about what it's been like for you but in that process of sort of radically accepting this this discomfort and this this discomfort within the stillness, you know, I think um, has brought a lot of tenderness to my life. It has brought a lot of, you know, self-forgiveness to my life. And I think beforehand, I thought I was forgiving and I thought I was moving on and I thought I was not, Mm. you know, rooted in resentment or anger or, um, you know, the ways in which I felt people had, you know, let me down or or, um, hurt me. And I think Mm -hmm. this process of um, sitting in the stillness, regardless of how agonizing or how it feels like I'm always constantly being defeated, um, Mm -hmm. it's allowed me to forgive. And forgive without holding on to anything um, or allowing it to live in my body, you know, and take up space Mm -hmm. in my body. And that has been so profoundly um, life-changing for me. And so I think that that that's exactly what you're speaking to, is, like, how do we just be? And how are we okay? How can we find peace and solace in just being? Um, And that's hard. Yeah,
1: what a timely conversation, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, like... I align so closely with with that tenderness that you're talking yeah, about, right? With yeah. um, with being able to experience that because I um and I'm gonna I'm gonna constantly refer to my birthday because that week was just so transformative for yeah. me. Um, I I realized in the midst of this pandemic, um, specifically over these last three months, you know, September, October, November, that the what I thought love was. Yeah, is not mm-hmm. what yep. my love needs to be. Yep, and because of that, for for where I am right now, like I know love, and I know what is not love, yeah. and that that tenderness, that that softness, because I've because I have had the space to now sit in it and express it to. Um, it's it's radically shifted hmm. the way that I I experience the world and I experience my people, I experience my community, my friends, my partners. Um, the way that I I move is a lot different. Like before, I would say that yeah, like I'm rooted in love, like I am love. Like I would make those declarations. Yeah. And this time has forced me to. Walk the walk, yeah, right. And I had to completely shed what I thought I was doing before, <laughs> yeah, because it was not it, it right. wasn't it. Because now I feel it now, I feel it differently, yeah. I feel forgiveness differently, I feel release differently. Like it's okay, I, I now know that you can release and still love and it not be, um, and. It, it doesn't need to be a radical act. Yeah. Like, why why can't what we think is radical be normal, Yeah, right, if, yep. if that makes sense? Like, why can't that be the constant as opposed to what is the constant now? And, but I do understand that that also comes on, like, that shift happens on a personal level before it can, yes. um, before yeah. it can sort of become a community uh, experience, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it really starts with the individual, you know, and then it radiates to the yeah. collective. Um, mm-hmm. And in so many ways, you're kind of speaking to even, for me, it's been that, like, I thought I was living, you know, an abundant life before mm-hmm. this moment, and I was yeah. like, wait, no, sis, like, you were living in scarcity, and you mm-hmm. were lying to yourself about, you know, your your commitment or even your relationship to abundance, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has such sort of like, um, it, I think impacts and influences, you know, our, um, ability to love. Um, and I think some, like, I, I look at my two, I have two younger sisters and one of them is a Taurus and she's like, she just Uh naturally is rooted in abundance. Just Mm -hmm. naturally. And my other sister, um, she's not, she's rooted in scarcity and it's so interesting mm-hmm. to see the ways in which they operate you know mm-hmm. one of my sisters who operates from the place of scarcity is like she's never she's always afraid there's never gonna be enough there's never enough there's never enough toys i can't share my toys with that. you know all of this was just like this is scarcity and my other sibling is the opposite she always wants to share whether it's her last dollar that she has she'll give it away abundance right And it's just so interesting because I think I grew up with, uh, similar to my sister who operates from a place of scarcity, I always felt like there wasn't enough. And so I had Mm -hmm. to keep everything for myself. I didn't want to share. I felt like something would always be taken away from me. And it's just Mm -hmm. so interesting to acknowledge that that's like my, you know, knee-jerk reaction to things. Right. And I think the first response is like, I have to acknowledge that that's my knee-jerk reaction to operate from a place of mm-hmm. scarcity, and then to talk myself through, there's enough, Dory, mm-hmm. there's always enough. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be more. You don't have to, you, you know, talk. live from this place. You don't have to yeah. to engage with the world from this place. Um, yeah. And I think that that's like that kind, you know, self-talk, but it's also this con- this concept of tenderness, of like, let me talk myself through. There's always gonna be more, girl. You're okay, mm-hmm. and I think that that's just such an interesting thing. Because for me, you know that, like I said, it impacts and it influences the way that we love.
1: Yeah, as well. well. I'm like, if you hear like my keyboard, it's because I'm typing notes so <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> as we we're talking. Because um, the my the first thought that comes to mind, like in my personal experience, is like. When it comes to the question of abundance it's it's really been um abundance with self versus yeah. abundance with others, right yeah. and I would find that my abundance with like the idea of abundance with self was where um I don't want to use the word lacking but i I would say that I was operating more from um a like pseudo abundant scarce yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah experience with myself, but right. with others, I understood abundance, yeah right and and it is through that self talk it is through um through that you know that that intentionality that I have been able to to make longer strides yeah. um when it comes to being able to grant myself abundance right
0: um
1: and that's now a priority for me, right like if I ever have a thought that is um that you know airs more if towards scarcity um my my knee jerk reaction is to self talk myself into abundance yeah like that's sort of the practice that um that has come to be- that has become routine for me now absolutely so, yeah that's i, I totally uh, i'm yeah i'm very and I'm in great appreciation of this
0: conversation right now. Yeah, me too, because (laughs) it's, like, I think there's such necessary conversations to have, and I think, like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot about it in terms of, you know, how it, um, informs the way that I behave and informs the way that I show up as myself. And it also just informs, you know, how I create and the collaborations that I take upon and the connections Mm -hmm. and sisterhood that I cherish and uplift. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it informs every sort of pocket of my life. Um, and I think that we have a lot of these conversations in regards to our healing and in regards to sisterhood, and I think it's so interesting because it can be so similarly applied, at least I believe, into how we create, you know? Um, yeah. as Because we are creative human beings, and for me, it's such a huge part of my life. And I used to think that um, these kind of conversations and concepts couldn't be applied to that area. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm realizing through this moment that it, that's not true, you know? Like... Yeah. Um... And I think, for me, that's why I wanted to kind of, like, indulge in this, this spiritual dialogue, especially, specifically with creatives. Because um, I think that this moment in particular is kind of calling upon us to be of service, to be rooted in abundance. Because I think to be of service is to be rooted in abundance, to be committed yeah. to abundance. And I think yeah. creating, to me, is an act of service. Um, to me, um, Mm, I think it's how I show up for my community, it's how I show up for my people, my neighborhood, um, is all through creative outlets and creative vessels, whatever they may look like. And so, Mm. I'm really interested in that, is how has your artistry and, um, the collective black consciousness impacted your individual and collective healing?
1: Mm. so, black girls do theater, um, I think, is a great example of uh, my desire to combine both artistry and the collective bi-consciousness into a space where conversation and healing can't happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I and uh, many other women walk through this world with our toes dipped in many pots, you know, the, the multiple identities. Um, I am black. I am woman. I am artist. I am creator. I am Jamaican. And I'm, I'm constantly aware of how how these aspects of my identity inform the many ways in which healing can occur through me, yeah. and uh, being that Black Rose Theater was created with community as its center, it, um, how these aspects also informed the collective consciousness of the space that I have created. But um, to just be a little bit more specific, I, I think what it it's really developed my relationship to women and to specifically other black women artists. And this is something that you mentioned earlier about like um, sisterhood and uh, black women showing up for black women, like no one champions black women like other Mm -hmm. black women. Right? And there is a collective healing that happens there as well, you know, when you meet someone for the first time. Like, this conversation that we're having, I think, could be a great example of that. And, you know, you meet someone for the first time, and it feels familiar because in your personal healing, you've opened up yourself to the joy and love that another person exudes, and you accept it versus um, rejecting it, right? Right, right. So, for me, I would say for right now i'd say that's
0: where um that's how they have impacted my healing uh yeah yeah wow yeah i so 100% can relate to that as well i think when you when you said that um no one champions black women like other black women oh my god yeah, yeah. i think that like I'm trying to, before, it's so funny, because, like, it's always about, for me, has been about, like, before and after this moment, or, like, the before and during this mm-hmm. moment, and how much yeah. of myself has expanded and radically evolved and shifted, and, um, and it's hard to sort of recognize the human being that I was before, but um, yeah. it's, like, been really interesting, because I think I've, like, I've developed such an earnest sisterhood through this process um, that I've, like, never, ever been able to, I can't, would never have been able to put words to, you know, like, and some of them I've never met personally, but just the ways in which that I've sort of cultivated this magical community of women through this moment Mm -hmm. um, is something that I never, ever would have imagined could come out of this experience. And I think yeah. that it's been for me like I live alone and I just got out of um just graduated from college and like you know entering yeah. into thank You're you <laughs> but it's been like a a really like enter or exited out of a like a five year relationship right right when this um pandemic started so it's been like a really profoundly lonely experience, mm-hmm. and I think without the this sort of like community or this cultivation or the opportunities to sort of cultivate this community um with yeah. intention and with purpose and meaning yep. that like i would have had a completely different experience throughout this process yeah. and like I and mean, you- yeah go ahead go ahead no no, no go, ahead, go ahead go
1: ahead
0: yeah i just think it just speaks volumes to me um about mm-hmm. sort of like what can be birthed out of pain and what can be Mm. birthed out of trauma or loneliness or, um, you know, heartbreak. Um, and I think, like, not even in silver lining, but it's just, it's magical to me. And I think that, like, Mm. these relationships that I've cultivated with these different women are not just, it's just, it's a bonus on top of it that they happen to be creatives or brand owners or, um, Artists, um, all that kind of stuff. But I think it's been more about, like, what it means to have a a genuine collaboration with another black woman who's an artist or a creative and not just be there for the project or for the result or for the process, but just for them to be there to support them as a human being. And I yeah. think that that has radically changed how I show up as an artist and how I've shown up as a creative. And it's kind of what we're speaking about has rooted me further in intention and has rooted me deeper in spirit. Um, and that, and, uh, you know, ancestors, And that to me is like everything. Um, mm-hmm. I've sort of released kind of the idea of like, ah, everything that I create and everything that I do and everything and how I show up, like I need to be financially making money off of this or give me this check mm-hmm. or all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's been more about the service for me right. and more about the process yeah. of the work and how it's going to affect my community. And, yeah, it's just made, it's its helped me release a little bit of ego. Um, and mm. that's been profound as well.
1: Yeah. So, ha- is this is
0: dialogue
1: is making me think so much about, like, um, uh, it's sort of like the steps. Towards yeah. Collective healing. Like,
0: yeah.
1: And like what you were saying, like how some things are birthed out of pain, trauma, um, heartbreak, uh, loneliness, silence too. Yeah. And silence. like yeah. I, I would. I'm going to use like even our conversation right now as an example, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So at the beginning of um, at the beginning of quarantine, uh, Black Rose Theater had an intern here, Stark. She's an incredible, incredible young Black woman in the theater, mm-hmm. and she's the one who presented the idea for the Black Rose Theater at Home Conversation Series. Right. And through that, if I remember correctly, I think that um, that. Mariama had we connected shortly after the first yeah shortly after like the first or second um conversation that we had with the Black Rose to Theater at Home series right and that so the first series led to you know Jalo Studios and Black Rose to Theater being in conversation with each other on each other's platforms like we had two separate conversations mm-hmm. um and then that continued into the other series that we were doing, which then also led to um, another digital conversation series in partnership with Signature Theater for wow. Black Rose Do Theater, right? Wow, and then yeah. from there, like you know, the next step, which is something that we can talk about privately too, yeah. um, to like the things that we're developing now and how it's all of these, all of these, all of these experiences, right? Lend itself to um, the future of another. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and I'm gonna with, within the conversation with the signature. Uh, it was a uh, we had two. Uh, we were in conversation with two black women actresses, and they're talking about collective healing. Like you had all of these black women in the audience, and we had a really earnest conversation about what it means to be black and woman and in the arts and. Uh, presenting your history or um, your experience on a stage with an audience that doesn't look like you, right? Right, And, like, tears were shared, um, a a little, uh, like, that pain that sort of, that sort of trying to double, you know, that double consciousness, like, existed in that space, and there were so many black women... And the audience who like, yes, like, I get that. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. Okay, great. Great to know that, like, yes, you guys are also, um, you guys are also experiencing this thing and you guys also having conversations about this thing too. Like, how do we extend the conversation beyond that, right? Yeah. So yeah. just thinking about that and all of the, all of the small, um, not, I don't even want to call them small because they aren't small, but all of the steps that, um, that lends itself to the future of another, of another yeah. experience that will ultimately work towards um, the collective healing and even the individual acts too. Because you know, realistically, with all the theater shut down, I, I began. I got a little nervous. I was yeah. like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, what is Black Rose Theater going to do? And you, in conversation with Mary Alma, like I, I said, that Black Rose Theater was a selfish act because I wanted to To meet other Black women artists because I didn't know where to go. And it just so happened that there are hundreds of other Black women who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why we have all communed in this space because we all have um, a similar desire. But, you know, these indi- it, it started, this whole thing began as, like, an, an individual desire to... Uh, to heal yeah. and to heal with community. Yeah. And it has now become this thing that I I love so deeply and uh, this space that I, I hope to um, to expand further, to expand the dialogue, to to go ahead and really, really try to integrate the community through this digital platform because that's sort of what we have to do right now because of COVID. Right. But yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everything you're saying just, it resonates so much for me. And I think, like, what you said is that a lot of us start these brands or these organizations or these spaces or these curational endeavors to heal, you know, for, you know, to heal ourselves. And I yeah. think, like, when that it it naturally in some capacity and I think spirit has a lot to do with it it draws people that are you know searching and um, longing for the same kind of thing and yeah. it encourages community because I think like I know for myself is I can't heal alone is I need community I need loved ones yeah. around me we need a support system we need sisterhood and I think you know it's so it's so interesting to talk about the individual versus the collective collective healing and I think it's the I am because you are, you know, and Mm -hmm. in so many ways it starts internally, it starts with the individual, but in order for it to work, in order for it to work well, it has to, in order for it to stick, for it to be sustainable, it has to radiate to the collective, right, it has to reach other places, it has to reach the hard-to-reach places, the narrow places, as they say, so I think... I think that that's so important to acknowledge that, and I think I used to get so upset as people would try and talk about healing without talking about trauma, or they would try right. and talk about, you know, the individual healing without talking about the collective healing, and it's that it's kind of the similar concept as inter, as intersectionality of, like, you can't talk about mm-hmm. blackness without talking about women, uh, talking about right. class and gender and sexuality, and so I think that we yeah. try and have these really intentional and important conversations without sort of like shedding light on the most crucial aspects or like right. the historical connotations that allow it to be this way. Um,
1: and oftentimes, the things that like are quite literally the root of right. the state. right, right, right. The it's origin the root of the reason, yeah, right, like. How can you, how can you have a conversation about healing without a conversation about trauma
0: when healing
1: does, healing only exists because trauma Trauma. has happened? (laughs) Right, exactly. So it's like, what are you
0: doing? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And people do it all the time or or they post about it all the time. And I just really appreciate conversations that, you know, um, have a holistic perspective and mm-hmm. um and shed light on every aspect and every angle and every shape and size that it can be and i really appreciate you for you know holding space with me here and like doing that today yeah. cuz i think it's really important oh, thank you. yeah absolutely and so i have another question for you i think it kind of informs okay. what we were just talking about but um what are your what is your form or forms of protest against living within the narrow places
1: okay so recently I, I show up as who I say I am mm. uh, even when I even when I feel otherwise like your girl musters up whatever yes. little bit of um, of that that spirit that she needs yeah. in order to do that and I I make room for that to exist right like I'm capable of compromise mm. but, but the kind of compromise that doesn't reject my personal principles uh, but I'm also unwilling to compromise in spaces where people, uh, not in my community, uh, not of my experience, specifically whiteness, Mm. in those spaces where they expect me to, uh, which prior to COVID uh, tended to be the majority of spaces that I frequented, like between my my day job. And um, I was also a resident actor at a theater that is... Well, no, yeah, that's another conversation. But, like, that's no longer, that's, like, really no longer a thing for me. Um, this time has really given me the opportunity to double down on how I curate my community and how I take hold of my agency, specifically when it comes to the spaces that I occupy and the sort of content that I engage with. And, like, understand, like, there's no, you know how Blue Ivy's, like, never seen the feeling in my whole life? Like, yeah. That, that's my form of protest. Like, I, whatever feeling you have placed on this face or on my identity, I, I don't know. I don't see that feeling. And for that reason, I don't see you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm going to exist as I do. And you can just deal with, um, you know, why it is that you feel so challenged by me rejecting the the narrowness of what you have created.
0: Yeah. Wow, oh my God!
1: (laughs) When I tell you, like I, the the big thing, the big thing for me right now, and it's it's a very active, a very conscious decision that I'm making, is that I have to say yes to myself
0: first. Yeah. Like.
1: Yep. I have to. I cannot. I can't say yes to someone else and be like. Uh, and, you know, be silently scribbling in my journal, like no, no, no. like I can't do that. Yeah. I, I want for who I present myself to be, which because I've spent so much time, um, I've spent so much time sitting with myself too, like sitting in that silence and and identifying the things, right, the things that yeah. I want to heal from, the things that I want to embrace more. I. I have to show up as as myself,
0: as yeah. who I say I am. I yeah. have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And who you know yourself to be, you know, I think. Yeah. I think that's a whole other thing is, you know, you kind of have to do or be the person you know you're not in order to be the person you know you are. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think there has to, it's yeah. a delicate dance in a lot of ways. It's like, I think it comes sooner for people than it does for others. Um, like I know, like forty-five-year-old people who are still not themselves or reject, you know, their their um, their humanity, um, or the people that yeah. they they really are. And so I think that that is like, whoo! I think it's for me, it's spirit. Like that's that whole thing where I'm like, mm, I just got to walk the path that spirit has for me, yeah. and I know that she' gonna like. <laughs> The opportunity, blessings, opportunities, all of it is going to, the love, it's just going to come, um, and I think, like, I'm so interested, I love that you, thank you for, for saying all of those things, all of that, because I, wow, but I have, I have a question about that for you, is, like, how did you, um, what, or how did you get there, or what did you, what was it like to get to that sort of awakening, or, like, ascension, Mm -hmm. you might call it, um, and like what did, did you ha- what did you have to do to get there and when did you get there
1: so um i i live in like i love silence i love yeah. my silence and um i i appreciate the silence so much because i, I again this this entire year has been really transformative because it's really in a way, given me an abundance of time to sit and listen, right, mm-hmm. and to to hear deeply what what it is that I am saying to myself, and and really begin to sort of like identify like and explore not really identify but explore practices that that make me feel that that fullness and and that wholeness. Yeah. And for me, I want to say it was like back in back in. August when back in August I'd gone to Georgia with my best friend one of my best friends um and another friend of ours and we stayed at my best friend's uh, family home and this was actually in the midst of like an incredibly rough patch that I was going through with someone who i had been seeing at the time yeah uh and much of, you know, the rough patch, which I can, you know, take accountability for was due to my own, like, self-sabotaging practices. And yeah. I couldn't understand why I was doing it. Yeah. And so, um, why, why I was doing it, like, why, why I become so resistant to the experience that this person, that this person and I was sharing and, you know, being in Georgia on my fam on my friend's, uh, family property, where it was just, there were trees and there was the sun. Again, I'm always going to refer to being able to see the sky because that's the the thing for me. I I need to be able to look up and see the sun, see the clouds, see blue, and not always just see skyscrapers and metal Mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff. But... To to put it simply, I go to nature, right? I go to nature where the divine feminine energy is the most potent. And I surround myself with, uh, I surround myself by the trees, by animals, by bugs, by bees. Mm -hmm. Um, And most importantly for me, I I allow myself to be surrounded by God's favor. And that really helped me to understand um, what I was experiencing and what I really needed to do to remove myself and restore the balance of energies, because I feel like those hard to reach places, those like hard places, those narrow spaces within myself, tend to um, exist when there is an imbalance of energy. Yeah, when you know I might be, you know, might really be focused heavily on business, and I'm not nurturing my 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 divine feminine spirit, yeah. and then my divine feminine spirit begins to call out and say, "Hello," like you aren't. You aren't nurturing me. Yep. Yep. So let's let, Do I gotta? Do I have to bring you back? <laughs> bring you? Bring you the task? Like, do I yeah. have to do that. And so that's that's sort of been the journey for me. A lot of silence. Um, a lot of nature. Uh, I've been reading more yes. now. Um, yes. Engaging with literature that isn't only related to theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Engaging with literature that isn't only related to theater, um, having conversations with my friends and family, and being present and uh, like that—that that presence being like that's the intention. It's like I'm going to be present in this conversation. Like I turn my phone off. Yeah. I I listen. I hang on to every word. Yeah. I wanna. I want to be able to experience this this genuine human connection um, even more than before because now we have the limitations of yeah. COVID. Yeah. And so it makes things a bit more specific. So I'm personally, I'm when and if, you know, the, you know, I'm not going to say if, when the opportunity presents itself for us to be able to commune safely again, like, I, I'm really excited to see who I am in those
0: spaces. yeah, Because
1: I I've developed this thing through technology, through this through this computer lens, through this digital lens of being able to connect. And I feel like the in-person connections are going to be even more deeply rooted than yeah, than, than what I was doing before. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: For sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And that's so interesting too. I love what you said about kind of, you know, this imbalance of energy and kind of how we seek Balance. A lot of us do, or most. I think most human beings seek balance. I think it's just part of the human Mm -hmm. condition. But I think there's this beauty in duality, right? There's this. For me, growing up, I used to think of like there was everything was absolute. Like it's either she's nice or she's mean, or yes or no. And like the more the older that I get, or like you know, the more I think more life experiences that I have, I realize that life, you know, everything exists in the middle. You know, everything in life. And there's so much, I think, glory that can be found in, like, in that area where you reach the middle of I'm not left or right, I'm just in between. And I think a lot of radical self-acceptance or just radical acceptance of the unknown, of everything, happens when you're existing in the middle, when you can embrace both your softness and your strength. And you can embrace them simultaneously. And you can, I think that that's where you're like, oh, I forgot I'm a complex human being. There's nothing simple about me. You know, there's nothing simple about this human experience or what it is to be human. And I think that they're like, that's the beauty of it. You know, the complexity or just how Mm -hmm. dynamic and multidimensional we are. And that comes with, I'm not this thing or I'm not that thing. I'm not, this is not absolute about me and that's not absolute. I exist in the middle and I can when you when you let go of absolutes it it, it releases like the stunt you can grow you know yeah, um, yeah. and I you
1: think, know this makes me like I was just going to quickly say that like uh, thank you for that specifically because now I want to like revise. remember earlier when <laughs> I said that I made a promise to myself that I would give myself in all, permission in all spaces to just be yeah and I said there was a period at the end of that I'm going to shift that to an ellipsis,
0: yes
1: put that Yes. Yeah, I'm going to leave an ellipsis there to add some things on
0: to it. Because a period is too absolute. Too yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah it's it can be dangerous sometimes to exist in absolutes, you know? And I had this yeah. really interesting conversation with my mama the other day about uh, firm boundaries. And she was oh, like, because I'm someone who's like, I have firm boundaries, and this is what I'm doing, and this is not what I'm going to allow, and this is what I will allow. And she was like, you might want to release that. She was like, I don't know if there's many things in life that really need firm boundaries. There has to have you have to have context. Everything needs mm. context because you're firm, but you might have firm boundaries today, and you might release those firm boundaries tomorrow. But it needs to be fluid. I think when you that's that thing with absolutes is it is yeah. it corners you into this one way of being, and it doesn't allow you to expand or explore or shift or pivot. And, and each situation has a different context. Each relationship, each love has a different context. And so when you're, when I, I used to be that person, like, I need to have firm boundaries so I can protect myself mm-hmm. and preserve myself from everything and everyone, and I don't have to experience any pain, all that stuff. I, I, letting that go and understanding that each situation and circumstance is different. And each yeah. situation and circumstance is going to change because I'm going to change. Yeah. And so I think that yeah. there's so much beauty in you know this this idea of a fluid balance. Yeah. Of allowing but balance also to ebb and in flow. The, like, yeah.
1: There's also a beauty in um in the discovery of right, like mm-hmm. in the theater, right? In the theater, we always uh, when it comes to to play. Right when you're in rehearsal, when you're you know you get a new character, it's the play, it's the fun, it's the under trying to exploring through doing. Yeah, and they'll always some directors. Uh, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say we have a general tendency to always try to push to the extreme to then be able to bring back. Yeah. So I think there's also a beauty in that um, in in developing. At first, that firm boundary, yeah, right. I think it's a sort of necessary step yeah. to, to have to do the period thing, yeah, or yeah. in order to understand why the
0: ellipses
1: works for
0: you, yeah,
1: right, like, absolutely. So I think there's some. I think that's another route. Like that's a route. That's one of the many routes in which people, um, you know, develop themselves is to give an absolute at first, which tends yeah. to be something that we all also do. Like when we're, you know. Early, early twenties, mm-hmm. like late teens, yeah. You make these declarations about who you are, and then you see those declarations in practice, and it's like, oh no, 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 no. no. Oh no, like, that's oh, not I, I at I all. Want to shit right, that. right. Yeah, like I want to, I want to shift that.
0: So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's something so graceful about that process. If you're right, if you're tender with yourself through it, you know. I think holding mm. yourselves to these to these absolute statements is can be hard because you know people spend their whole life holding themselves to an absolute statement that they might not even really yeah. believe in um yeah. or find any peace or solace in you know and it causes a lot of self-hatred and doubt um yeah. and so i think this ability to kind of embrace um mm. the, the the discovery of of growth and evolution is is um pretty impeccable um yeah yeah, so that's a little bit about. I want to talk to you about this last question because I think the kind of what we're just discussing might influence your answer as well. But, um, how do you allow your higher self to live on in and through you? Mm. Mm.
1: Okay, I, uh, I allow grace, mm. yeah, I leave faith and. I practice patience. Yeah. Yeah. I never want my higher self to be in battle with who I can be in the physical world. Um, I've spent a lot of time through meditation, reading, silence, movement, (laughs) food. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of food. (laughs) Love. Like, all the good things. I've spent so much time uh, a lot of time in these spaces to create a space within myself where the two can coexist yeah. right and I, I want to emphasize the coexisting of the higher self and the and the self and the physical self or the worldly self rather because um, you know I can't always be my highest self, but I'm in a meeting discussing numbers mm-hmm. and programming organizing organizing materials like the business yeah. that um yeah. Is very much a worldly thing, so I, I just know I, I just have to actively be uh, be practicing that grace and and leaving the space and the patience. So that's how it's been for me right now. How I've been allowing that to live on through me, and then you know, even coming from coming from that like conversation about business and that statement about business. If I know that I'm having, like, a heavily business day, I I up the ante when yeah, it comes to yeah. my, my higher self practices, right? Like, my higher self is always going to take priority over the, over who I have to be in the world to function, to, to do the thing, to survive, to, you know, the very practical things of our, of, like, human existence and, like, the field that I'm in, those things, yeah. but yeah, like my higher self always takes priority, and I will, if it means that I have to stay up an extra hour to, um, yeah, to really, yeah. to really find that grounding again, mm-hmm. then I do it.
0: Yeah,
1: I'll adjust. I'll I'll compromise. I'll make room. Yeah. I will move everything out of the way.
0: Yeah,
1: to ensure that my higher self is fed, is nurtured, and is feeling loved
0: because that's really important to me. Renee, who I so appreciate it's you been a journey. I like I so appreciate you. I so appreciate you for, oh my gosh, just walking with such, such grace into this dialogue into this conversation and um, allowing yourself to be intimate and vulnerable. Um, and I think that that takes courage. Um, and it's been so incredibly informative for me, and it's just been what I needed today, too. Um, so thank you, thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Wow, you have no idea how, how like I, I, I do believe in like divine pairing, yeah, me right, too. and divine timings. And yeah. I just think that this entire experience as like even as we were talking through it I'm just having like oh my gosh oh my oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) um and so I thank you because I I also needed to have this conversation with myself
0: yeah I needed to be able
1: to, to meditate on these questions to to really think about it
0: Yeah, because
1: I didn't know. I didn't have it. There weren't there weren't words for it. Absolutely. And now words exist. You know, talking about that archiving of like, yeah, yeah, and and like even so, right before I went to Mexico, um, I I did a portrait. I told myself, I said, no, I want to start. You know documenting who Renee is at every point in her life, because I've been thinking so much about love, marriage, children, yeah, yeah. partnerships, and I want my kids to be able to, like, oh, look back sure. and say, oh, that was mom at 24. Yeah.
0: Well, I um, feel you.
1: Yeah, so I just think this entire, like, series of, um, of events just been divinely orchestrated.
0: Me, Thank you. It's like, just all, yeah. It means so much. I think, like, the alignment that I've been feeling lately has been um, really intense. And, mm-hmm. like, I think holding space, like you said, holding space for that. And also just following it. And I think, like, that's what yeah. I wanted from this series, too, is for it to be able, like, the women that I speak to, like, you know, it'll exist in some sort of, like, most of my work is very archival and, like, celebratory of just, like, this our moments, that are our existence, and I think I, like, want this, like, recording to be able to exist so, like, 10 years from now you can look yeah. back at it, or 10 years, 15 yeah. years from now your children can look back at it, you know, and, like, live in this yeah. moment with us, and I think that that's so powerful about art, um, about conversation, yeah. about community, and that's really important to me. So that's, like, the point of this whole series is so that these conversations can, like, exist somewhere be archived somewhere for the us to like return to them when we need them um this is very special yeah very special and you are too like thank you you. oh my god absolutely so much absolutely it's like a joy for me it truly is a joy Thank you for listening to this episode of Who Made You Sis. This podcast is brought to you by The Diaz Collections. Today's episode was entitled In the Name of Rebirth, in spiritual dialogue with Renee Harrison. You can find more of her work on social media at Renee Chanel Harris and at Black Girls Do Theater. You can also follow us on social media at The Diaz Collections. If you'd like to support us in this journey, our cash app is The Diaz Collections, and our Venmo is The Diaz Collections, LLC. Happy January, and I hope this month reinforces your deeper inner wisdoms. Thank you for your unwavering love and light, and I'm sending you all high vibrations.